Welcome to the A Fire podcast. Now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? How do we become better investors, leaders, and global citizens? For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson. What do people want? That's a tricky question to answer. But especially now, as mass vaccinations pick up speed and everyone contemplates a return to work, it is important for real estate investors to ask, what do you want? I've asked Edward Wagoner, he's the CIO Digital at JLL, to talk about the user experience and how that impacts real estate value. So thank you, Eddie, for joining me on the A-Fire podcast. Thanks for having me, Gunnar. Um, so why don't we start the conversation around a topic that I, I know you and I are both very passionate about, and that is um, how we look at, how we understand what the user wants when it comes to real estate? You know, Gunnar, that's a great question. And let's start by defining what is the user, because depending on the client or the entity that we're talking to, user can be different things to different people. Um, I, I think uh, what, I'm, what I'm seeing emerge is an understanding that our ultimate user, whether you're on the uh, occupier side or the investor side, your ultimate user is the people that come into the buildings and into the space every day. If, if they want to be in the building, if they like the building, if they like the location, if they like the amenities, the companies they work for are going to be incented to lease and use that space in order to attract and retain that talent. And that means that that's going to be good for the investors because they've got something, they've got the supply that the demand is actually looking for. So I'm seeing, especially post-COVID, with uh, the focus on how we bring people back safely and how do we create the hybrid workplace where people have more choice. It seems like everybody is focusing a lot more on that, the, the ultimate end user, which are our people. Are you seeing that both from the folks that are negotiating for the new leases as well as for the lease managers? Is everyone kind of focused in the right place or is there still a disconnect? Yeah, it's, it's interesting as you ask that question, I started thinking through all the different scenarios that I'm seeing. And I would say, you know, it depends on who we're talking to uh, and who's involved. One thing that I'm seeing in a lot of sessions to uh, the corporate real estate users is if you want to create your workplace of the future, you need to be partnering with your CIO because there are so many opportunities around prop tech. Um, and, and not just prop tech as a standalone, but integrating in with the other systems that the corporation uh, has, uh, making sure that you've got your right cybersecurity uh, in, in place. But then also working with your uh, chief human resources officer because we know that workplace uh, attracts talent. We've seen that with some of the, the pre-COVID uh, workplaces that we helped implement that were giving a better experience. And the HR teams were actually noticing that in those locations, 
they were seeing changes in uh, talent, either the types of people that they were attracting, they were being more competitive in the marketplace, uh, or the feedback that they were getting from people that were joining them about how uh, what they saw in the physical workplace and the energy of the teams and the way people were collaborating uh, was a draw to them. So I, I think, you know, depending on where people are in those evolutions and if they already have those tight working relationships, uh, they're seeing that. If they don't, and, and I am seeing a number of companies where for whatever reason they don't have those tight working relationships, it, it's a bit of a, you know, learning, helping understand, build those relationships. It seems in, in, in a post-COVID world for us to be focusing almost exclusively on per square foot uh, rents or on, or on you know, what the particular package is for the tenant to bring them into an office environment without discussing these other issues. It, it, it feels, feels kind of old fashioned, if anything. Well, you know, when you and I both got our start, that was the primary focus, and that was a lot of what we use technology for. You know, I would say that's that's table stakes. We all need to be doing that just as, you know, it, it's a part of the business, but it's not going to be the differentiator. It's not going to help you drive better, say, uh, square foot metrics, if you will, or or, or, or value or, or, or your rents. Um, it, it's that it's that focus, I think, on the experience and um, creating the product that people want to be a part of or, or want to experience. I mean, we expect that though from the Class A trophy assets, the best in the market. They get they they bring in all these kinds of experiential aspects. Um, does it go beyond that? Does it go to the the simple class A or to the B plus kind of office environments that we're having to perhaps consider more than just here's the square footage, here's the address, um, here's the basic package? Well, I, I think it does. Um, you know, and if I think about, let's just take you and me for example. We've known each other a while. Um, what I may expect out of a class A building, let's take the same class A building is going to be different maybe from what you expect. And I think that's a big part of the focus. I think a lot of us have thought about it from the perspective of our uh, our desired tenant mix and what the tenants or the corporate viewpoint, if you will, is. And we've put amenities in place or we've created things in our buildings focused on that, that you know, let's call it corporate mindset, that that entity that doesn't really exist outside of our people. When you go down to that people level, it gets a lot more complicated because every one of us has a different expectation. Every one of us have has a different need. And I think that's what we're seeing emerge in, in post-COVID and really getting a focus. You know, we see it a lot in the conversations we had this past summer around helping our diverse communities be heard. How do we help them feel like they belong? How do we create spaces and policies that allow uh, people when we come back that maybe uh, choose not to come back? Or we're seeing uh, in the news, you're seeing a lot of women that are choosing to opt out of the workforce. How do we create hybrid workplaces and policies that allow them to still be a part of that workforce and contribute if it means that they can't come to the office every day? So I think those individual type focuses to understand, but then also 
figure out what we can do to help as many of those people as possible have a good experience is going to be where our people that take competitive advantage uh, figure that out and put those in place. It, it seems that we need to have a, a better idea of what it is that people actually want. How are we going to do that? I mean, are we going to just survey the heck out of people and interview people? Or, is, or, is, or, or are there other sources of data that can help us understand better what the, the office user is looking for? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, it's something every day I'm looking and reading. What are people thinking and, and what are people doing? Um, and as you well know, there's something new every day. And I think that's, that's what I'm seeing a lot of us um, doing. How do we keep up with what people are looking to do and how people are changing? You know, nobody's ever come out of a global pandemic uh, that shut down the world and we bring people back into the workplace. This is the first time for all of us. And, you know, pre-COVID, we would have webinars or we would write white papers and we would highlight what a company you know, had done and people would decide whether they wanted to emulate that or what parts of that they wanted to take or they could articulate, you know, this is great, but that's not for me, not for my industry. We don't have that right now. And so I think a lot of people are looking at every day, well, what's what's this industry doing or what's that company doing and and making their decisions? And I think it, it goes along also with this, you know, experience piece. And that's too why I think that having real estate groups um, partner with their HR groups as you're looking at the talent that you're looking to attract, as you're looking at how your people work and collaborate. Uh, that that's going to have a big impact on the types of spaces we deliver and where we look to to have those spaces. And you, and you see that right now with some of the technology companies, as an example, that are starting to look at, could they have uh, hub offices and locations as people start looking to move out of some of the bigger cities, if you will, and maybe move closer to take care of a family or maybe to get out into a suburban type location. That's going to change maybe not a total portfolio footprint, but it could change the size of the footprint, the individual office footprints and where they're located. And, and, and certainly how how companies start strategizing around whatever rented portfolio they have, I would think um, that it'll change that. Do you do you really think the, 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 so the model you're seeing already emerge with the tech firms or it emerged before COVID. So you see that as a potential model to at least follow and understand uh, for us those of us plebeians that are are not in in high tech. You know, it's interesting you, you say that, Gunnar. Think back ten or fifteen years ago when the big tech companies uh, went into Silicon Valley, and and we laughed. You know, why are they going to the desert? Nobody wants to be there. Um, now you can't. You know, it, it's hard to find space there. Uh, we also laughed when we learned that they had chef prepared meals while you were getting your massage, while a barista made your coffee, all to keep you in the building to to code and to create product. You know, none of us maybe went as far as as they did in Silicon Valley and their headquarters campuses. But if you look at a lot of us pre-COVID, we had adopted a lot of those amenities, even at JLL. We put in a, a barista bar um, as a gathering place for our employees. I remember the conversations when we started to, to do that with some people thinking we, we shouldn't, others pointing to the experience. I think we would all agree now we didn't build it big enough. 
because people were so drawn to it. We had people with C-suite titles that were choosing to have meetings there because they could be seen and people were coming up and talking to them and you know they were connecting and, and learning more about what was going on being in, in that type of environment. And so, you know, they showed us the way a time before. They're the biggest companies. Um, you know, they're at the top of the uh, the stock exchanges. What they do will impact the rest of us. So I think it's important to see what they're doing in this next iteration, so that we can, if nothing else, understand the competitive advantages, uh, uh, competitive landscape that they'll be creating, just like they did previously. I often think that a lot of those things are very site specific. Uh, that you know, there is there's a lot of differences. Um, JLL's offices, you were high up in an office tower uh, in Chicago that was, you know, somewhat isolated. Took you a while to get down the elevator to get to some place that maybe had coffee. Um, that if you had, I wonder if you had been, you know, on the first couple of floors or three floors of a building with a great coffee place outside around the corner, would that have been as successful? Or were you simply taking a space that that was not optimal for the way people live, work, and want to see each other, um, and modifying it into the the village square, modifying it into something where okay, we can interact with each other, we can have that that social business connection, uh, we can have a cup of coffee, um, and if I remember right, it was a really good vendor, so you had an excellent cup of coffee. Um, will is that necessary in every office environment or is it going to be those sorts of things or are they all going to be very specific to where they are? You know, if I could answer that specifically, I could uh, probably stop working and just uh, predict the lottery numbers. Yeah, but but let's use that uh, example. And, and I know you're picking at me a little bit because I always need a cup of coffee in my hand. You're, you're right. That elevator ride down to find a cup of coffee uh, made it impossible to do it sometimes between meetings. Um, and I can remember thinking, gosh, I just wish I had a little bit more time to run, grab a cup of coffee. Compare it to, and by the way, we put that space in prime, prime real estate. It's right off one of the main lobbies. Um, and, and if I look at what happened out of that, and, and I mentioned connections um, internally, but when we would bring clients through that to grab a cup of coffee, to have a conversation, we actually started finding that a, a number of clients would say, can we have a meeting in your space? We can actually sit there in that location because it, it was that uh, conducive you know, think think about the think about what happens to you when you work into walk into a conference room. It's all business. You're around a table, versus when you're sitting in a chair having a cup of coffee. You actually you think differently. the The way that you interact is a little different. It can be more conversational, and that's where a lot of the collaboration and and the thoughts and the ideas uh, would play out. Now, you asked the question about Class B or maybe in a in a building with only a couple of floors again nobody's saying the amenity needs to be right in the middle of the space and those smaller buildings what is it close to you know we're seeing that with a lot of uh, millennials that uh, the concept of of work-life balance that you and i had when we started they're actually thinking more of it as just life with with mobile technology they manage life whether it's work or personal or ordering groceries 
or taking care of business. They do that all through their mobile phones. So for them, it's just life. And we're, we're finding that they're starting to look at things like um, some of the team-based activities they do. How close is it to the office? The office is located closely to the things that I do and the amenities that I like in office. So I think a lot of this, and we're starting to see a lot of people talk about this, it's not just the amenities the building offers, but what's close to and what's around it. It's the bigger ecosystem. Which certainly suggests that we might see a fragmentation of the CBD. Uh, as these younger folks that are taking over um, are wanting to live uh, all the time and work all the time, et cetera, um, that perhaps isolation isn't the only route. There are some companies that will continue to want to do that. But I, I keep wondering what happens to our CBDs and how it gets changed over the next 10 years. It's uh, I keep reading headlines about the office is dead or retail is dead or fill in the blank related to real estate is dead. And I keep challenging people saying, you know, it's, it's like that old Mark Twain quote, uh, the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. We hear pe people have been saying things like that for years. I think it's, the, it's actually the opposite. It evolves just like us as humans. It evolves. I remember the central business district was going to die when all the department stores pulled out. You know, in my youth, my grandmother would take me downtown on a Thursday, and that's where we did all of our shopping. And they did pull out, and it did leave some holes, but it evolved. Um, there, there's new buildings. There's new uh, the town I grew up in. There's theaters uh, where those department stores used to be. It's it's an art uh, district, and so I think we'll see um, evolutions as people rethink the way that they do things um, and, and, and as new opportunities are presented. Absolutely, Eddie. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put all of this on your coffee habit. Um, I actually think that historically, finance and investing all started in front of tea houses and coffee houses. That that's actually how we work, at least have been for the last 300 years or so. Um, you know, you could possibly say more than that, that, that the politics in the United States really started outside of taverns, coffee houses, tea houses. Uh, there is something pretty powerful about that. And I just, I keep imagining that meeting taking place in a typical, you know, well done, but typical conference room. And then that same meeting taking place um, as you listen to the sound of the milk frother and, and, and having that kind of more casual conversation in a cafe um, and how that changes actually is more productive and certainly more pleasant than than the other alternative. Okay, I'm going to have to get back to JLL once things open up again. Um, that'll be fun. Or do we find another place to do it around the office? Yeah. And so, you know, as you were um, walking through that, I started to think historically humans are, are social animals. The, the majority of people like to be around other people. We like to be around family. We, we like to talk. There are points in time when we want to do heads down work, but we tend to find ourselves drawn toward each other. And so if you think about places that are conducive to that relationship building and the conversation, it's not a corporate conference room. Mm -hmm. And so I think as, as you start thinking about how do you get people to be creative and to collaborate um, and, to, and to work together 
uh, when they do choose to come into the office. It's not the cubicle in the conference room. It's going to be a reshaping of that to enable that productivity, to give people that activity uh, type um, of, yeah. of, of workplace to come to that, that fits what they need to do right now, which is going to be different from what I need to do an hour from now. That takes different types of spaces. Yeah, it does. I mean, being specific about the spaces, I think, is very important. Listening to you, I was remembering all the conversations I've had in the last six months with people saying, I miss the office. I want to get back to the office. But they're not talking about the conference room. They're not talking about the cubicle. They're not even talking about an office or a traditional office. I think what they're talking about is, is more nebulous. I, I look forward to getting back in front of the coffee house and talking to someone and having them talk to me and interacting and everything else like that, or whatever the space is that, that people are looking for. But I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as I, I reflect back and think about myself as well, how much am I thinking specifically about a certain 150 square foot space? Or am I thinking about something that's more nebulous and it has more to do with the other people? I think if, if, if people think about it, it's going to be the other people. I was talking to um, one of our very successful brokers just the other day, and she made a comment about how much she missed the office. And we were actually having a discussion because I'm at a point, especially with uh, um, my global work, dealing with clients all over the world, I can be anywhere, quite often I need to be everywhere. And so if it doesn't fit in my briefcase, it's not part of my office any longer. I've got to be able to work wherever I am. And we were having a little bit of a discussion about our different definitions of, of workplace. And as she said, she missed the office and we drilled into it. What she really missed was the collaboration with the team. She, she's had that on, on video if you will, for the last year, but she, she missed that energy that you get when a bunch of people are together in a space and collaborating and talking, or when you walk down a hallway and you see somebody that you don't normally work with and they tell you what they're working on and it inspires you to think about something differently, or you have something that you can share with them that will actually help them with, your, with their project. And that's the people aspects of it. And I think that's as people think through it, even folks that have some heads down type work to do, you're doing that because it benefits someone else. And there might be a time and a place to go to a nook and do that heads down work, or maybe I do it at home, but there's still that, that human aspect in the majority of the work that all of us do. Actually, I think this is an excellent place to close. Uh, what a fascinating conversation, Eddie, and I hope you'll uh, spend time with me again uh, to do one of these interviews. So just thank you for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. You are so welcome. And we didn't even touch that much on technology and there's a whole area of sustainability to go down. So let's uh, let's schedule to do it again soon. Yes, sir. You've been listening to the A-Fire podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. A-Fire is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice to this podcast. No content included here is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information, including the A-Fire podcast, may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. A-Fire is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in the A-Fire podcast are those of its respective contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of A-Fire. To learn more about the A-Fire podcast, including underwriting and guest opportunities, visit afire.org slash podcast.